0: In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. When God, Amen. We will continue the study of the Book of Proverbs, chapter five. Last time, the we are in the first ten lectures, which is given to young people, and the focus of these ten lectures is to educate young people how to live. We are, I believe, in uh, lecture seven, and uh, and the concept that he talked about last time, he talked about how. Foolish is adultery. Adultery is something that could ruin you, could make your ability to live reduced. It could really impact all your decisions. Now, this, this part of the lesson, the second part of that lesson, is going to talk about the wisdom of marriage. What's the purpose of marriage? Or how should we conduct marriage? First, telling him in verse 15, so chapter 5, verse 15, he's telling him, drink water from your own cistern. And running water from your own well. So the father is giving him an image that could help him to meditate on of marriage. He's telling him basically the water that's in your own cistern, cistern is like a well. That running water that comes to you, this is where you should drink water from. Basically your own needs, your own desires, all the things that you need you should fulfill it within your family with your spouse not from outside it's actually beautiful that he's telling him uh, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well running water in the old days was actually rare it's not easy to have and running, running water reflects something new every day, something fresh every day. So in marriage, he's telling him there is newness. There is new elements that's added to our marriage every day. Lust is available everywhere. It's uh, on the internet, it's on the phone, it's everywhere, on the apps, everywhere. But in marriage, you experience different forms of love, especially over time. You find yourself sacrificing each other for each other in ways that you cannot imagine. I'll tell you guys a story. I I went to visit somebody who was sick in the hospital. He was unconscious. And as I was walking in, he went to heaven. As I was walking in, his wife was clipping his toenails. He's in the hospital. He's unconscious few days and they give him few days and he's going to die but they reach a point where even when he's unconscious there's an element of love and sacrifice that's there where in this world can you get that love it's not possible in marriage you also experience forgiveness you experience service experience commitment. For example, a lot of young men are constantly worried about the future and anxious about the future. Having a spouse that supports them and encourages them and helps them, it's wonderful. You could also have a wife who is, for example, struggling through illness or her, Ill, her family are struggling through illness and having a husband that support through that. The type of love that you get in marriage is new and beautiful and running every day. The underground streams of water replenish all these wills all the time. If You guys remember in the story of the Samaritan woman God told her I have running water. If you have running water why are you at the will? Running water is much better than a water that's just sitting steady and doing Nothing you know one of the things i'll tell you it's interesting to me a lot of times people write like to do studies on relationships and marriages but in reality we have so many human experience in marriages that we can receive from our own heritage that could help us to understand what is what is a good marriage should look like she said, should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water on the streets?" She's telling him, like, why would you take your own water and just put it on the, on the streets running? It's like you have, by the way, cisterns in the old days used to be private. People would own their own cistern because this is like a source of water. It's almost like your own faucet at home. You don't, like, share showers with your neighbor, right? You don't share a source of water. Like, this is, like, your own. And you see this in Isaiah 36:16. F- uh, it says This is a story that happened. And the, the Lord sent a, a prophet to Hezekiah. He said, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by, by, by a present and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine and every one from his own fig tree and every one of you drink the water of his own cistern. So each person used to own their own sister. So he's telling him, why would you take what's private for your own house, the beauty of your own family, the, the intimacy you have, and keep it on the streets? You know, I'll tell you guys something honestly. It is unfortunate how many times people take intimate pictures of their families and put it on social media. They're taking what belongs to them. If they are on beach vacations or well, uh, they want something private and it's all over. The Bible, this verse applies. It says, Why should your fountains be dispersed abroad, the streams of water in the streets? Because sometimes when you take the things that's valuable to you and make it open to everybody, one, it could cause other people to stumble. It could, it could cause people to belittle or dis- disrespect some of your intimate moments. These pictures could give wrong impressions to people. Okay? But It's very important for us to understand that there is a certain privacy for our own home, our own family, our life, that I have to be careful about. I told you guys a story that happened personally with me. I was working um, as an engineer before priesthood, and we finished a project. So our our boss said, let's celebrate. So he took us to Buffalo Wild Wings. So we went to eat Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, Some of the coworkers started ordering drinks. I don't drink, but he took a picture. So the picture looked like what we're eating wings and what we're drinking. Somebody tagged me on the picture. So it looked online that I'm in a place where there is what, drinking and food. Immediately, my father of confession called me. He said, I told him, Abuna, I'm, I'm not just is work. But this picture could give the wrong impression. There are some things must, kept be, must be kept private. And to be honest with you, it really puts to question sometimes when people are on vacation, and all what they're doing, taking pictures of themselves and posting it live. I'd be like, enjoy your life, right? Why are you constantly trying to get, grab people's attention instead of you enjoying the moment you're in? Then there's a problem. You're not enjoying vacation. You're enjoying people's perception of you and the vacation. You're really ruining what's valuable. He says, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Keep that privacy. There are certain things we all like to keep private. Like your bank account, your GPA, your medical record. There's a lot of things that we like to keep private. Why? Because these things are important to us. These people are important to us. These things are important. Actually, you know... They used to teach us when we were young as servants. It says, when you go to somebody's house to outreach, you should not be checking out the house. You should be focused mainly on the person you're visiting. Maybe you can make a comment about, about an icon, whatever it is, but don't go in and be like, wow, that's a, oh, or making comments one way or another. You have to be careful there are some things that must be kept private. Hidden things are more valuable. Each house should have its own privacy. That's why we always advise people, even young couples, if you have problems with your spouse, it is wise not to rush and talk even with your own families about it. Because sometimes when you talk with your own families about it, the problems much, might get much bigger quickly and people might build the wrong perception of your spouse and when you, when you try to repair that perception becomes almost difficult so in many cases it is wise when you have a problem maybe again can go talk to abuna or a spiritual guide for your for your relationship but there must be a very high level of commitment to privacy in our own homes not only this i'm sorry i'm expanding on this because i think it's quite important sometimes for example it's common that young couples will gather each other and go together on a vacation as a group of young couples maybe this is okay once in a while but be careful because even on these vacations where you go with your friends you should should not happen frequently you should have your own time with your spouse there's a lot of privacy a lot of things that happens in people's homes and we have to be very careful. Who we share secrets with are really important. Saint Augustine said, let the fountain of your water be your own and and let not strangers share with you. For all who do not love God are strangers, are antichrists and although they enter the basilica, the church, they cannot be numbered among the sons of God. That fountain of life does not belong to them. Even an evil person can have baptism. Even an evil person can have prophecy. We find that King Saul had prophecy. He was persecuting the holy David and was filled with the spirit of prophecy and began to prophesy. Even an evil person can receive the sacraments of the body and blood of the Lord. For about such it has been said, who who eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks judgment to himself. So what is he saying? St. Augustine, saying even be careful from people that might you think they come to church. They are prophesizing. I'll give you a clear example. Sometimes, for example, uh, somebody visiting from Egypt, even in the capacity of uh, a monastic or a clergy. And sometimes people open their homes in an illogical way. And it could be harmful to their marriages. When people live with you, they get exposed to all your privacy. And the the Bible is very clear about being careful about these things. Some people like to break this. Some people want to break this privacy. That's why it's important to be careful even not only the secrets but also even sometimes people might share um, flirtatious feelings or flirtatious messages or things like that that they should not share people usually find different excuses for these behaviors you have to be careful because our homes must be private it says let your fountain be blessed And rejoice with the wife of your youth. Obviously the word blessed, and you see it in the scripture, is usually not just of anyone, but only of people whom one is particularly grateful. People who are blessed are usually the ones who are thankful. That's how the blessing is increased. And the Bible here is telling him, be grateful for your spouse but also rejoice in the wife of your youth. What does that mean rejoice? It means I must have an attitude that I'm very, very, very thankful for my wife, for my husband. You know, I'll tell you guys, a common problem, for example. Most most men tend to be future-oriented. Most men. So a lot of times he gets into arguments with his wife about expenses. You spent this, I didn't spend this. She, as a woman, woman, tend to be more present-oriented and she does not like her house to be missing anything. This could resemble a big portion of arguments and fights in their house. The concept of enjoying is a concept of inner attitude toward understanding and enjoying the heart of the person in front of me. They are caring for the house. I'm thankful for my spouse because what they're doing, I cannot do. I constantly remind myself of what my spouse are doing all the time. I remind myself of her quality. I remind myself of the routine that we live, yet we also allow nice surprises that come along. From how often, sometimes the church talks about monastic life, we forget that God loves family. He loves family life. The first system that God created was a family, a husband and a wife, Adam and Eve. When the Lord came and lived on earth, he lived inside a family. He lived with a family. So family life is something very pleasing to God. And once I go home, I am hugging every part of the wall of the house. Because this is where God is so joyful. To see two people living in harmony while they share everything together. Is that easy? It's almost impossible. Unless God is in their midst. That's why an important aspect of marriage is acceptance. If I don't accept my spouse and enjoy them, I will not be able to be happy. I will not be able to be happy. Sometimes you might have a spouse that's creative. The other one is more routine-oriented. One person, I was speaking of their future-oriented. One is more present-oriented. One like to explore life. One likes to sit on the couch and do nothing. Okay, you have one who likes to... Uh, celebrate everything and likes to make an event out of everything and somebody just to them, to them everything is normal every part adds beauty and every, every part adds depth the problem is, is that I need to make a decision that I want to enjoy my spouse imagine Kira, if every morning I pray to God and tell him, God, thank you for my spouse. Please make me a better husband. Thank you for my spouse. Please make me a better wife. A better son, a better daughter. Our family life is a place for us to be holy. You can be more of a saint inside your home than a monastery. And a lot of people sometimes forget that. What I do for my family is extremely important because all what I do at home is hidden and only God can see. Every time a mother wakes up at 6 in the morning to take care of her children or to cook or to clean or a husband has to wake up early to clean all the cars and shovels all these things, nobody comes and gives him an award at work, tell him, thank you. can expect expected. All out of love it says as a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be in en- en- enraptured with her love. obviously, the word uh, doe is a female of the deer, and some people say she's an it 's an Iranian form of deer and uh, she 's female obviously she 's very tall and she weighs about sixty four pounds but Deers are known to run quickly. So he's basically saying, as a loving deer, that deer refers to the husband, the husband should show love and a graceful doe, and the wife should show joy, gratitude. So the husband should act with love and the wife should act with joy. I, I liked what we talked about this Friday when they were talking about the 21 murderers. One of the murderers would call his wife and be like, what? Did the kids pray today? Did you guys pray tonight before you sleep? And the wife would show gratitude. That's a dynamic of life that's really important. Love and joy, thankfulness, excitement. It's not good that we go to our homes and we build homes that are built on sadness and argument and fight and depression. No, that's not what the Bible asked us for. And he says, let her breast satisfy at all times. you guys, remember in the book of Song of Songs, we talked about the breast as a source of nourishment. In the old days, the highest quality of food that you can get is the mother can give to her, her, her child. So he's saying the greatest and the cleanest and the most beneficial source of love will get to your Whenever you need something, run to your spouse. Drink of her all the time. Enjoy your spouse all the time. Do not deprive yourself from your spouse's love. Many people do not enjoy a present time with their spouses. I remember days in our families in Egypt, when we used to sit together and have dinner or lunch together. As a family, we sit and pray and eat. Now, once we came to America, everybody's busy rarely families will sit together to have a meal if it happens once a week it would be a miracle things are constantly what problem also the problem is a lot of time people at the homes they're constantly speaking about negative stuff and complaints and fight over silly things and blame failures on each other he's saying this is not the attitude of marriage is he's looking for the quality of the love the love of the spouse is very satisfying. Actually, there's a beautiful, um, also the, the, when he's speaking about the let her breasts satisfy at all times and always be enraptured by her love, he's talking also about the concept of uh, the constant warmth that people receive in marriage through love and through hugs and through touches. One of the contemporary monastic used to say a spouse should not leave the house before giving a kiss to his other spouse. That's a monk talking about marriage. And I remember even uh, right after, right after you know, doing w- my own wedding, we met a monk and he said something beautiful. He taught us something called, this is a monk teaching us who were just recently married. He taught us something called the kiss of love. He says like the first year in marriage, you and you and your spouse should every night prostrate in front of each other and kind of give an account on the day. Like, you know, I I'm, you know, first you start with something positive. If something if something maybe bothered you, you may say it in the middle, but also at least for every something something constructive you could say two at least positive things. And the other person would do the same thing and you guys get up, kiss each other, pray and go to sleep. This is the concept of the Christian marriage. It is a beautiful source of love. And I should always go go home, find and get that love at home. We should strive to that. People who are loved at home, they're able to face life with much different attitude. And he's telling him, why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in her arms of uh, seductress he's saying him like he's kind of surprised He'd be like why in the world would you go outside to somebody that's adulterous or immoral what for what reason for what reason would you go outside for what reason would you disrespect the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of the blessings that God has given you to go outside he says, for her way, for the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his path. Now he adds now to what I like about Solomon. He's giving practical, but then he also adds the spiritual. He's telling him, sometime when people commit a sin, they commit it in darkness. But he says, for the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all his path. There's a beautiful verse in Galatians 6 7 says, What? A person reaps what he sows. You sow love in your house, you will get love and joy. You sow good principles, you will get good principles. You sow spiritual life, you will get back spiritual life. Whatever you plant in your house and your family, that's what you will get. Unfortunately, a lot of people in their own homes, they sow indifference, lack of interests. I'm not interested in being in the house. the house is just a place for me just to use as a utility and has not I become a place of an identity And this is really really important but we have to be careful because the eyes of the Lord God watches everything, everything. people who cheat and lie and do things that are hidden, God sees everything. Then he says, his own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. So He's saying God sees people who are cheating and lying and all these things, and he's saying that his own iniquities, his own sin will entrap him. It's not God is punishing him, his own sin will cause him to be stumbled. And obviously, you guys see a lot of times, for example, famous politicians and famous actress and, and famous people in power, when they kind of go outside the relationship of marriage, we see them obviously keep being publicly um, go through whether a trial or a problem. Sometimes the biggest problem is, is the sin of, of adultery, makes person not able to live his life. Makes them broke. Okay? It breaks beautiful homes. It makes people have regrets. It breaks children. That's why it's important for us as as people of God to be careful about all the temptations that the devil is opening around us everywhere the s- sexual temptation around us everywhere is intended to break homes and we have to be careful because many people might carry these things over in their marriages he says he shall die for lack of an instruction and his g- in and the greatness of his folly shall go astray he's now he's telling he's basically saying beside the punishment that he gets in the world also there is an eternal punishment that will come to him if he continues to live this immoral life the immoral are eru- robbed of life which is really important basically a person who is living adultery and not repenting and not willing to repent is basically walking to his death now what's going to be interesting is chapter six he's going to talk about something and when i read it it kind of turned on a light bulb in my head as i was going through dealing with different um, marriage problems some of these are really relevant okay so he's going to talk about three problems specifically for men and later on he's going to talk more to the ladies but also some of these can apply to men and some can apply to ladies but in general okay so there are three problems that men can fall into okay he's going to handle them the first one is from all these three problems are chapter six from one to nineteen we call this appendix to the lecture before so after he gave the lecture he's going to give us some kind of a breakdown of what could cause men to do foolish things okay So he breaks that down three things okay from verse 1 to verse 5, believe it or not, he's against people co-signing for other people okay this is very interesting. From verse 6 to verse 11 he talks about lazy men who don't want to do anything. from verse 12 to verse 19 he talks about troublemakers. he, ma- he gathers a lot of trouble problems and he puts them all in one. So we'll, let's go through them one by one because I think it would really be interesting for us. It says, My son, if you become shortly for your friends, if you have shaken hands in a, ple- in a pledge of a st- for a stranger. So here, the idea of addressing a son, but this is not the same way he would start to listen. Whenever he starts to listen, my son listen to my instruction. This is more an appendix, like I was telling you, it's just a, a little bit more details, okay? So he's telling him, if you have become shorty which means you pledge yourself to guarantee someone's debts so he's using a specific legal term and the way they used to do it in the Old Testament somebody would give his garment as a symbol of guaranteeing this debt because the garment would represent the person himself okay? this is like a substitute for, for, uh, for his, his, his payment and he says you shook hand shook hand it means like the deal was done Obviously, right now, this is similar to the concept of co-signing. Sometimes you, cons- you can co-sign for somebody when they're getting a loan. You can co-sign for somebody uh, if they come from overseas. Uh, you can, and obviously, when you co-sign for somebody, I'm not like financial expert, but financial institution actually, even nowadays, would consider that, co- that, that whatever is co signed for is your own debt until it's paid off. And if the person did not pay it, they'll come after you okay and I'll tell you why he's really he's going to tell us why this is a problem right he says you are snared by the words of your mouth you are taken by the words of your mouth by the way why is this directed to men because because most a lot of time men in most homes they manage finances and sometimes they like to kind of feel like hey you know I can do something out of uh, a manhood stand next to somebody but he's giving them guidance on what's really helpful for a family. He's saying when you do this, you cause the problem. Okay, you rushed into an act that you cannot handle. Okay? You cannot handle. The idea is a lot of people when they co-sign, they're not co-signing because they're able to pay the debts they're just co-signing to help somebody so when you co-sign for somebody i will guarantee somebody's status you're just simply maybe financially and a lot of people financially they will not be able to take on that debt. if I'm telling him you are taken by the words of your mouth that means that there is a legal action in the old days this is how you make a contract and that could cause you to go to court you cannot co-sign for somebody today because they cannot guarantee the future and this person might not be able to pay and then later on you might get your own family in trouble okay by the way the bible is not against us helping people but now he's talking about a situation in a family and how you should handle this okay and i'll tell you something even more interesting the Bible does not even support us to lend to people. The Bible tells us whatever people ask of you, give them without expecting them to pay it back. Be careful. So if somebody asks for a financial help, I'll give it to them, not expecting. If somebody asks to borrow money, I'll give it to them, not expecting what? In return. So that means whatever I give, I should be fully aware that I might not get it in return. Because the Bible does not support us to go to court and to fight and do all these things for the sake of money. So here he's also saying the same thing, the idea of guaranteeing. And by the way, to you, that might seem like silly, but this comes a lot with families uh, when you have to sign somebody's coming from overseas or you you have to help somebody um, who might need a car, whatever it is. If you want to co-sign for somebody, let's say somebody needs a co-sign for an apartment, make sure that you have enough money saved aside in case if he falls on the payment, he can cover it. But if you co-sign for somebody's house, somebody's big student loans, you yourself might not be able to. I'll tell you guys an interesting story. Actually, one of the fathers shared that with me. Uh, he told me, like, at the beginning of his priesthood, some person came and asked him, Abuna, can I borrow money? And Abuna was new, did not realize that, you know, this is not the practice of the church. He told him, sure. Once he gave that person money, guess what happened? Never showed up to church again. Because he was ashamed to see Abuna he's not able to pay the money. Abuna reached out to him and told him, trust me, I don't want the money, just come to church. But he felt ashamed. He says whenever he met him in a wedding, uh, he met him in a wedding a few months later, he told him, Abuna, I'm so sorry, I promise, I'll get you the money and all this stuff. So it is really important for us to understand that when people ask for financial help, we'll help financially, we do not lend money We do not co-sign unless I have enough money to cover it. Okay, And that's usually the rule that we follow in the churches. And these are the rules that we should consider in our families. Because these problems does cause issues. Big issues among family members. You you co-sign for your nephew or your niece or your cousin for your student loans. And all of a sudden you have so much debts that cause problems with your own house. And you're not able to pay it. He says, give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eye- eyelids. He's telling him, if you have done a deal where you co-signed to somebody, do not sleep <laughs> until you reverse it. Because the better you reverse this, the sooner you reverse it, the better. As time goes on, the communication with people might be different, the financial situation might be different, the level of commitment might be different. So make sure you're able to do this quickly if it's something you cannot handle if you co-sign for something that's much bigger than you because it could cause you a lot of problems it could cause you a lot of problems he says deliver yourself like a gazal from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowl so saying as much as you can try to end this and stay away as much as you can from these inter- transactions that could hurt you and would could hurt your people. Some situations I have to learn to say, no, this is something that is not doable for uh, my, own, my own family. Uh, next week we'll talk about the second type of men that he's talking about, which are lazy men. Okay? And that's also a really important uh, important problem. Because the two, the, these two topics, the two behaviors about men, they usually, these two behaviors, men, uh, whether laziness or trying to guarantee somebody, some men take it as if it's a good thing. Okay? I'm helping my friend, I'm helping my family, I'm helping my cousin, whatever it is, and they think it's an act of virtue. But the Bible is saying it's not really an act of virtue. You're actually getting yourself in things that you cannot handle. It's lack of wisdom this is where there's a limit limit on understanding what is what is what is love and then the second thing about laziness sometimes it's very hard for people to admit that they're lazy and they just say oh I want and I wish and all that stuff and especially uh, with men in the house it becomes a bigger problem because they also feel a sense of uh, a sense of responsibility for the house So it becomes harder to navigate through this process. So next week we'll talk more about the issue of uh, laziness and glory to God forever and ever.